Hopnology Classic. That's good. That sounds more like us. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Okay. I think we're, 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 we're funneling in on an answer here to how we're going to start these. Yeah. 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 I like the, I like the question mm-hmm. there. Is it's it not, classic, really? Yeah, well. Yeah. <laughs> is it, or is it a giant waste of my time? Uh-huh. <laughs> it's a little of both, actually. Yeah. It's, only you can decide. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> it is a classic because it is a giant waste of your time. Right? Mm-hmm. Of course. Is it is it quality time? Is the question? Mm. Is it quality time? So I, sure. <laughs> I, and you know, I wish I remembered. I have to go back through through emails and whatnot and see when we first started getting feedback. And the reason I'm saying that is that this this will be the fourth episode, and we start talking about hop quality and about the <laughs> importance of quality. And yep. and once again, I'm I'm sort of surprised as I listen to these because we were so driven at the beginning to talk about the horticulture side of things. Mm-hmm. And yet this episode, um, yes, there's plenty of horticulture in it, but we really talk a lot about the impact of quality on your marketability and on your repeat customers. And you only get one chance to make a first impression and all that. So it's more about the business impact. Maybe that maybe that's just the parts that I was listening to. <laughs> Of when, course, well, because the horticulture parts are, is a lot of you going, wah, 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 yeah. wah, 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 and you know, clicks and whistles. Mm-hmm. I understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. That's and cool. how much we would go on to talk about. It's like, okay, we're going to deep dive into quality, you know, for a new episode, and it's like that turns into like a dozen and a half episodes because that dive you take, you can always swim a little deeper. And we have. I don't think we had started the Discord at this point no um, yeah no. it was quite a ways away but but one of the questions you know we still can't get on the discord is hey so one just came up recently of brewers are describing my hops as having this melon character what chemical con- contributes to melon flavor but here's like 80 <laughs> <laughs> um and so so what do you mean by that and so that concept of quality and sensory and all those sorts of things start to to rear up right about now it's not like we hammer on it for, for, for quite a bit. We're, we're hitting on all of our burning topics that we want to touch. But this is like the very beginning of pulling the string. <laughs> I, I agree. I agree. Because those first couple really are, are very broad stroke. And here we really start to we, – we, this is the first time we picked something very specific and actually stayed to it. And this is my first, I think, rant on the on the whole moisture meter doesn't exist for us. <laughs> yes. Thing. I had right. so much fun teeing that one up for you. Yeah. Oh. So anybody interested in the very, very basics of hop drying and hop quality, this is your first episode on that. So give it a listen. So we talked about in the in the previous few podcasts, we talked about quality and hop quality. What the heck does that mean? We keep saying, don't bring your your brewer garbage, or the brewer's going to say these are junk. I don't want them. And but then I followed up saying, we'll have the tough conversations about quality and what is it about these hops that are or are not quote quality that you're looking for, Mister and Miss Brewer. And as a grower, what things are you going to do? that are going to impact quality. And again, in air quotes, what, what does quality, what does quality mean? What are the quality attributes? And so I thought, 
I thought that'd just be a good thing to let's talk about that. Quality is very, very important, and it's different on both sides of the equation here. As a grower, how do you know you're adhering to quality standards and delivering a quality product? And then as a brewer, how do you know what to look for? You're not there at the farm. You're not watching the production practices, and you need to be able to relatively quickly, when someone is presenting you with their crop, know what to look for, know what questions to ask and all that. And we've talked about all these components to why you would buy hops from someone in the first place. We've, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about local, but really, let's be honest, you're running a business and it, when it comes down to it, price and quality are the two things you're most likely going to look at first. So let, let's dive into this, yep. this quality conversation. I'd say, I would say starting with the grower side of how to create quality and how to Almost as important as that, how to demonstrate quality, and then we can talk about from a brewer's side how you identify that quality. Yeah, let's let's break that out because we've got from the grower side, you want to instill confidence in your customer base. So, how do you do that? And there's there's multiple ways to do it. U- ultimately, you deliver them product that they are more than happy with. But getting down to what is it that makes your brewer happy with that product is what I want to talk about. So in general, when we talk about crop quality, we're talking about aroma content. Does it smell good? I'm not necessarily talking about linalool concentrations and all sorts of other chemical analyses, but does it smell good? Does it smell the way it's supposed to? Another attribute that a lot of people choose to ignore is what does it look like? Because perception is reality. You may have a an issue with late season uh, downy mildew, and it's discoloring your cones. There's nothing chemically wrong with them. There's nothing aromatically wrong with them, but they're browner than all of the pretty pictures you see from the Pacific Northwest. That's a perception issue. If a brewer sees that, even if they know that, oh, you're local and we know we have some other issues around here, when faced with two different piles of hops from two different growers of the same variety and one is green and looks nice and the other one's spotty brown, guess which one's going to get picked? So as, as much as I don't like to admit it, appearance, the way these things look, is important. Even if they're going to be ground up into pellets, the the appearance is important because that's typically when you're having brewers out to your farm or whatever or they're they're going to want a brewer's cut right which is a a a chunk cored out of a bale or out of a out of a compressed mass of hops so that they can see what they look like pre-pelletizing you don't want a bunch of brown hops in there so not only is it you've got to have the right aroma and flavor but they also have to look pretty Sure. It's it, it, it's counterintuitive because you're like, well, who cares? Uh, a lot of people care what they look like. And there's been more times than, than I want to admit that that we had a crop that was perfectly chemically sound, but I got dinged because of late season downy and it just didn't look good. And I was embarrassed, just straight up embarrassed. But we had to sell them. So l- let's... I want to clarify that for the folks that may not have ever sold to a brewery before. You're talking about what the cones look like. What the cones look Mm -hmm. like, yes. And very often, 
most often what you're selling to a brewer are pelletized hops. So yep. if you are, if you've got your cones and you're having them pelletized and packaged and then selling them, in some cases it it may seem to someone who's never been on the growing side before that well, that's an interim part of the process. Who's ever going to see my brown cones? That gets back to the aspect of collaborating with your brewer, inviting them to your farm. To your point before, I mean, there are brewers that want to see parts of the process that's going on. So you there, and there are go uh, they're going to want to see things midstream and and to have a sniff test and see what the cones look yep. like. So just because that's not the final product you're delivering, to your point, James, it, it's got to look right at that stage. And bre- brewers, some brewers will buy pellets, and you know. Uh, pellets sight unseen and you know the lupulin exchange is a perfect ugh i could go on and on about how that's a train wreck but the you know they'll buy them sight unseen because well i need this hop and hops are hops are hops and i wish we had some sort of 10 most wanted list of brewers that don't give a crap about quality and only buy on price because they shouldn't have any customers (laughs) however excuse me however the the brewers are going to want to do a rub right and you can't rub pellets you need to rub whole hops right and brewers the good ones those are the ones that are going to want to that's what they expect when they go out to the pacific northwest or they go to europe is they say okay i want to i want to rub you know whatever the variety is chinook from four different lots four different you know grower lots and they'll bring out a cut which is basically a cored out sample from a bale and it's all compressed whole cones so they're going to see it there it's they're just going to see it and if they core out and they bring you a bunch of brown cones you're going to look at it and the first thing a brewer is going to think is these are overripe now again to clarify uh you're you're talking about dried you know dried whole cones so yes. you know and, dried dried whole compressed cones and, yep. and i i'm saying these things just to make sure folks who haven't been through this before understand you know it's obvious to us i think that you're not going to bail wet hops but <laughs> you will once. Yeah, I suppose you will. <laughs> and then your farm burns down. Um, but <laughs> because if you bale wet hops, even if they're, you know, 12% moisture content and they're beautiful green, in about four hours, they're going to be a lovely shade of rusty uh-huh. brown. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then they will probably catch fire. But... What were we talking about? Oh, yeah. Hop so, rub. Hop rub. <laughs> so, yeah, hop rub, right? So then you're going to have the brewers are going to see that. And if they see it and it's brown, the first thing they're going to think is overripe. And if they think, it, and here's the funny linkage between, you know, human sensory uh, capacity and the power of suggestion is that, and I do this with the, with the Siebel class all the time. And I'll say, wow, don't you smell those, those blueberry notes in this hop? And, and they'll be like, oh yeah, it's really on the top. And like, there's no blueberry in here. <laughs> oh, that's just mean. Well, it, it highlights this fact that we can be preconditioned. So if I, if I'm a brewer and I see a bunch of brown, brownish tinted hops, I'm going to think, well, these are overripe or they let them hang too long or there's something wrong with them. So when I go to smell them and rub them, I'm going to be predisposed to think that something's wrong. Oh, with sure. Any, if you've ever picked up a glass of, you know, anyone who's ever taken a sip of a glass of orange juice thinking it was a glass of milk, it's the same concept. You, you're, ex, you're, you're expecting something to come in. 
and you get that wrong thing and woo what 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 just happened here so sure so the yeah that so again perception is reality so i would say uh, uh, back to the beginning here unfortunately growers uh, the way your cones look is very important when people say well i'm not going to spray for mildews because that stuff's expensive and i i don't have time to get out in my field to do it it's not only are you spraying to keep the stuff from killing your plants you're spraying to keep your cones looking nice and as much as we don't want to agree with that that's the the harsh reality it sucks i know but what are you going to do well not grow hops apparently that so so the so that's that's the number one thing is that if you're going to be dealing with brewers and you're going to want a proud place to show them, you know, or be proud of the place that you're going to show them and the, and the crop that you're going to give them, you've got to have a good looking crop. And, you know, on, uh, otherwise on it, the presentation quality side of things, so certainly the crop itself has to look good. How important is, you know, this is, this is less about plant quality, but how important is, is presentation? You mentioned bales and then you get down to packaging. How, how important is it that what you provide them has um, just the right look to it. it. I would say it is important to a degree, but it depends on what the expectation you have set is. If you're dealing with a, our good friends at New Glarus Brewing Company, right, just voted one of the top 10 breweries in the world, they have a certain expectation. And I know Dan Carey well, and I know what his expectations are. So if I was trying to sell to him, I'm going to present in a certain way. If I'm selling to some brewer in, I don't know, Wyoming, that's that I've never sold to before, and they're just coming to the website and saying, hey, these guys have cashmere hops. I'm going to buy some from them. They don't care. I'm selling them pellets. So it's all about managing the expectation of the, of the brewer. So that goes back to, you know, knowing who you're selling to, doing your research. I would say the bale versus, you know, pellets versus, you know, packaging – there's a certain industry expectation that has to be met. If you're a small, non-traditional grower, you may not even have enough to bale. Whatever, that's fine. It's not like we're saying you got to bale these things. The brewer is going to, if you bring them into your place, right, the brewer is going to want to see that you're doing your best to preserve the, the character of those hops after they're harvested, which means, assuming you're not making a wet hop beer, that means drying them down and that they're stored probably cold so that you're reducing the oxidation rate, the spoilage rate. Ideally, you would have them in some sort of a breathable fabric, usually woven polypropylene, so that you can get air exchange uh, through the bag just in case you didn't have them dried quite right. And, yeah, just handled appropriately. They're not going to want to see a bunch of hops and garbage bags stacked in the corner. That's not appropriate. You have to handle these things like flowers and and present yourself in a in a professional manner. Think about if you went into their brewery and they were basically brewing in an old, you know, mechanics garage with oil all over the floor, and you, you'd be like, oh god, they're how how much do I trust these people? So that whole perception is reality thing is absolutely yeah, and, true. And to, and to your point earlier, I think James, to, knowing your audience and knowing what level of I guess I'll say tolerance they have for certain practices are are a big part of that. Your your brewery example resonated with me because it's the reason I don't take you to breweries with me anymore. Um, 
<laughs> Captain Bringdown. Mm-hmm. That's me. That's, that, that'll yes. be an entire topic one day, is why you don't bring... Fine citizen, <laughs> I'm here to protect you from... Yeah. Yep, I know. Cynical bastard James. Uh, but what are you going to do? Uh, I'm lovable. <laughs> Sure, uh, sure. That's that that that's a stretch. That's I know at stretch. least one person um, who's speaking on this podcast who would agree with that. Um, that ah, uh, yes. Um, yes. Okay, that would be me. Yes. So I would say, is, is for the number one, you know, quality thing for growers is this perception that doesn't even get to any any of the technical aspects. I would say the second thing that's important for when we talk about quality, uh, you know, think about why we're adding hops. Hops are aroma vehicles. Yes, they're bittering vehicles, but but really the opportunity for growers to impact the bittering chemistry of, of a hop is, is very little. That's mostly mother nature. But aroma, that's another story because we can harvest too early or too late and totally wreck the aroma presentation of that cone. So harvest timing is right up there uh, with the most important thing that you can do is get your harvest timing right. James, when's the right time to harvest my it hops? It depends. It depends. Actually, it doesn't depend. Uh, this is one where I can draw a hard line in the sand. And people say, well, you know what? I'm going to leave my hops hang because I know that they develop more aroma the longer I let them hang. Well, not true. They will continue to aromas and the the pathways in this uh in the cone in the lupulin glands a lot of these aroma compounds true develop late but they develop in response to microclimatic changes they don't develop in response to anything really that you're doing if you take the cone too early and those climate aspects haven't had enough time to basically cook it you're going to wind up with a hop that's more grassy and really subdued compared to what its variety standard is if you take it too late what happens is those aroma compounds usually well some of them volatilize they poof go off into the air but then you also start to develop what we call og onion garlic compounds so these are these are thiol compounds sulfur compounds that develop as a plant goes into a fancy term called senescence. It's programmed cell death. So this plant is like, oh, I'm done. Everything can go to hell now. Uh, I've done what I'm going to do, and and I'm rotting. And so you get this onion garlic aroma, and every variety will do this to one extent or another. The Now, some varieties, that is their main character, like a CTZ and whatnot, where they just smell like onions and garlic and as Kirby said, you know, I like onions and garlic on my steak, not in my damn beer. But <laughs> the if you've got brewers out and they're going to do a hop rub and you're like, wow, these Cascades smell kind of like Cascade, but they got kind of this kind of funky oniony smell. You took them too late. And that's going to come through in the beer. So now that that hop is no good for dry hopping unless you want onions and garlic flavor in your beer. If you put it in the boil, the bittering components... The, the alpha and beta acids will still transform and you'll flash a lot of that uh, onion garlic aroma off because it's a very volatile compound, but you, you've killed it as an aroma hop. It's just, it's, it's not, it's pointless. And now. there are pleasant surprises that occur sometimes with that. We, I mean, we had success with uh, a, a late harvest Chinook that had a different flavor profile and we branded it as such when we were with Dorst Valley. 
and that was a a great way of of adjusting to mother nature and leveraging what we could but that was after a lot of uh well, I was going to say a lot of trial and error, but there was some happy accidents in there as well, as most things with Mother Nature are. But I would say that's more the exception than the rule. And too early or too totally. late, to your point, James, will really mess things up, getting back to what the brewer expects. If So so for I can tell you that growers that are listening, this is when you harvest your hops. You do it by moisture content. There's so many, you go out there and... And I am going to rag on Facebook forums like you can't believe because there are all kinds of opinions and nobody knows what the hell they're talking about. So the way that professional hop growers do this is they do it by moisture content. As soon as that hop cone starts to lose moisture on the one it's still on the bind, that tells you that that plant is going into that senescence phase. It's dying. So now the trick is to get that cone right at the perfect time to where it's died just a little (laughs) but before that onion garlic takes hold and what we find is across pretty much all varieties there's a moisture content range that we can look at and because that cone will be 80 85 percent moisture content and then it'll slowly start to drop so what we find is that 73 to 75 percent moisture content is just about the perfect time to take pretty much every variety the moisture content's above 75%, you're too early. If you're below 72%, you're way too late. That brackets the most aroma that you're ever going to get out of that cone, the best alpha you're ever going to get, and for harvestability. If you let it go too long and it gets too dry and you're using a mechanical harvester, you're going to run it through the harvester. It's just going to explode. And nothing's going to come out the back end. The, the important thing there is that, that 72, 73 to 75, 76% moisture content range. So, you know, I'm going to continue to let you be the scientist here and I'll be the, the Deadville's advocate, newbie hop grower with questions. The, the logical question here, I'm going to say, well, James, which moisture meter should I buy? There are so many of them. None of them work. Don't waste your money. Use a microwave and a balance. Uh, and there's lots and lots of, of examples of how to do this online. There is no moisture meter that works for shit. Period. End of story. Save your money. Go to your Goodwill or secondhand store, buy a $20 microwave, and spend a couple hundred bucks on a really good balance. And you've got way more accuracy than any moisture meter is ever going to tell you. All the hop moisture meters were developed to make sure that compressed hop bales were dry enough that they weren't going to burst into flames. That's it. Get that out of your head right now. Other thing people ask me all the time is, well, how do I know what my moisture content is? Well, you take samples, dummy. (laughs) (laughs) Go and take samples in your hop yard. And you're going to want to bracket, you know, the hop bind. So take some from the top, the middle, and the bottom. Weigh them. Put them in the microwave, dry them down till the weight stops changing. You've got your wet weight. You've got your oven dry weight. You can get your moisture percentage. You know how much water was in there. That's it. That's how all the more difficult it is. But it's the single most critical thing from a production standpoint that you can do is get your damn harvest timing right. And that timing is going to be different by variety. You need to sample every variety. And if you've got different blocks and different rows, you've got to sample in various places. Typically, a variety will, well, I'll let you ring in on this, but typically, I believe a variety will come due at about 
the same time if it's in the same field, but you will have varieties next to each other that can be apart by several weeks. Yeah, that's that's true to some extent. Uh, I would say that your varieties will come due relative to one another. You know, for instance, my saws and, and tetnanger were always the first off, but whether that was the last week in July or the first week in August or second week in August would depend on Mother Nature. It was never a, a scenario of, well, Chinook's going to be first and then Saz is going to be next. No, 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 no. That was, you know, Chinook was always last because that was its genetics. So the the varieties, you'll, you'll always know that, you know, well, my Tets will be first and then my Centennials will come right after that based on, on how they grow and their plant physiology. But whether that's, you know, la- well, last year it was the last week of, you know, whatever. And this year they're not even ready yet. Well, yeah, it's called farming. So really can't rely on the calendar to determine when harvest starts. You rely on what Mother Nature's doing, and we measure that by moisture content. Make sense? Well, it makes sense to me, sure. <laughs> Yeah, no, it doesn't. So, a ro- hey, I, I've, I, I, I know just enough to know that that makes logical sense. Yes, yeah. So, yeah. And in practice, it's a whole nother well, story. Sure. And if you're a big grower, you have to bracket a, a given variety because some varieties may be like, well, that, that like Centennial, I'll say I've got 30 rows of Centennial. Well, some might be a little early, some might be a little late. And you're unless you're going to go the super extra mile, to test every row and then harvest when they're at the peak ripeness. It's not realistic on a, on a larger scale farm. On a small scale farm, could you do that? Yeah, knock yourself out. Go for it. I wouldn't do it because I know that once you're going to mix all those together anyway. And is it really going to matter at that point? But what is, I don't think so, but what is of the utmost importance is to make sure you don't go too far. I would say if you're going to err on the side of caution, err on harvesting too early. Because then it's going to be like, wow, they look great, or likely to look great. So you've you've satisfied the first the first metric. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I can see, you know, they 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 kind of got that centennial kind of smell to them. Uh, they're not very strong. You could say, well, yeah, you can pass it off on Mother Nature, but it's not bad. If it's bad, if it smells onion and garlic, then what have you just set in that mind of that brewer going forward? So that's why I say it's better to err on the side of early than late. Yep. Once they're bad, I, I think your only recourse there is to find that inver you know, that inevitable one or two folks a season who come by saying, I want I want some hops to put on display at my wedding because we're beer fans. I've got exactly what you need. <laughs> yeah, totally. Absolutely. I I've done that so many times. I'm like, yeah, I see those hanging out there and they love them. Oh, it's so great. I can't believe we're getting actual, you know, full hop binds. And you're looking at them like, these are garbage. But I have sold them for a lot of money. So, hey, then I thought, why am I even selling to brewers? I could just sell to florists. And yeah, anyway, that's a whole nother yep. talk. <laughs> we, I, I recall a, a gourmet chef asking about hop shoots at one point as well. Um, we, we've oh, had yes. yeah, yep. a lot of questions yep. along those lines. You're right. That is a whole other topic we could get into. Uh, I was just going to say, from, so from a grower perspective, we've got, you know, we talked about aroma content. We talked about visuals, both of which are, are so strongly determined by moisture content. And, and then, of course, by proper drying, which is a rabbit hole that I don't think we want to go down today. Well, other than to say, you know, we call drying and the, the topic of drying when we're teaching it, how to ruin your crop in 30 minutes or less. So you can go through all of the hoops and 
man, you can hit every nail on the head through the entire season, and you can wreck your entire season by poor drying. I think what we need to do is just leave it at, for, for this topic or talk, just leave it at drying is super duper critical, and you need to do gobs and gobs of homework on how you're going to dry these hops down. And if you think as a, as a non-traditional startup hop grower that you've got a brand new way to dry hops and it's super innovative, you're wrong, period. Uh, it's all been done before. So do your homework. From a, from a brewer perspective now, let's turn the tables here. So I'm a grower. I'm going to present you well well packaged, good visuals, you know, great aroma. As a brewer, what questions do I ask? It's really turning the tables on this. How how do I know to get how do I get the right stuff? Yeah, that's a good question. I think it depends on which way the wind is blowing for most brewers and what they're looking for that day. If you're lucky enough to be growing a variety they're actually looking for, uh if you've, if you've got something that looks good, you got something that smells good, and they're happy with the package, the, the quality issue is solved. You've already answered it, right? You've, got, you've met the big quality aspects. I would think if a brewer's got any more reservations about buying from you, it's going to be about how much do you have, what's your price point, and is it going to be anything more than just a one-off? I think that, that moves away from, from the quality stuff. From a brewer's perspective, somebody comes to you with hops, and yes, they're not in garbage bags. What are you looking for? Well, I would say the first thing you're going to look for is what form are they in, and and what is the ability of the grower to deliver to you hops in a form that you can use. The single biggest technical hurdle for most hop growers is pelletizing, and pelletizing hops is a food, a regulated food processing activity. So it's not something that you want as a brewer that you're going to want these people doing in their garage or on their back porch because they're, they're taking a, a raw agricultural product, which is the hop cone, and they're performing a mechanical transformation on it that has an opportunity to introduce, how do I want to say this, non-hop stuff. <laughs> so that makes it a food processing activity. So then the, the, the hop pelletizer, whoever's doing that, has to be able to demonstrate that they have hazardous action control point plan, HACCP, and all sorts of other things that all food processors have to do. So that right there separates, you know, the 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 children from the big kids. And if and if you if you ask these questions of your grower and they look at you blankly, you know what you need to know. Exactly. That's exactly right. So many non-traditional small-scale growers say, well, I'm only going to sell whole leaf hops. Well, in this part of the country, and frankly, all points west, the vast, vast, vast majority of brewers don't use whole leaf hops because their brewing systems won't accommodate it. They have to use pellets. So if you're a grower, you need to be thinking about pellets if you're going to take that step. So as a brewer, ask them how they're going to get this stuff to you. Not only do, if they're going to pelletize, is it a food processing operation, but, and it's just not enough to squish them into pellets. What sort of pellet density are you looking for? So I would ask for some samples of pellets. And a pellet should be able to be broken apart under moderate pressure between your index finger and your thumb. If it is hard as a rock, whoever was the pellet master doesn't know what the heck they're doing. 
because that pellet is going to sink to the bottom or it's never going to get wetted out and your utilization is going to go to hell. On the other side, if you open the bag and you reach in and grab some and they just fall apart in the powder, that's not good either because what that says is that they haven't been densified enough to get rid of all the oxygen or most of the oxygen that's in the inside of that pellet and their storability isn't going to last. Not to mention that if you dump a bunch of powder in there into your, you know, uh, kettle, and any of them, or into your braid or into your fermenter or wherever you're going to put it, if it's a bunch of really fine powder, it's likely not going to wet out well either and just going to float on the top. That pellet density is really, really important. And I go back to our friends at, at New Glarus. They have a spec on pellets must be this dense. And the way you do that is you take those pellets, you put it in a known volume, usually a one liter graduated cylinder, and you weigh it. And that gives you your density. And if you've got your pellets squished just tight enough, it should be within X, Y, or Z range. That's super duper technical. Uh, on the high end of, of the, the customers that I've ever dealt with, but brewers should ask these questions of their, of their growers. How am I going to get these hops? And if they're going to be pelletized, show me a sample. Because the last thing I want to do is spend you know, twice as much in some cases on local hops that I can't utilize or I get poor utilization from because they're too damn dense. And, you know, you, How's that? It, that's, you know, you say that's super duper technical, but it's, it's just math and it's, it's not all that complicated. You're not talking about having a whole science lab involved there. It's just measuring density. No, so it, if you understand the process and understand how easy that really is to do, um, what a, what a perfect toll gate to have to go through in order to make sure you're getting the proper product. Because, look, there's a lot more, I'll say, financially at stake with putting bad hops into a brew and going through an entire process than, um, th than just taking the time up front to make sure you've got good quality there. I would add, <clears throat> I would add too, that for the brewer, so you've rubbed the hops, you've... You know, you've looked at the pellets and the density's fine. The the aroma smells great. That's a variety that you like. And so why wouldn't you buy them at that point? Well, you might not buy them because maybe you're contracted and you can't afford to, you know, buy them. Maybe it's, you know, you don't need more. Can, nobody needs more Cascade right now. That that next step is, well, how how many more, what are your quality standards? Do you even know, Ms. or Mr. Brewer? Do you even know what your quality standards are? So don't, don't pull that game. And I've seen it done so many times where they say, well, you know, I want to use local hops, but the quality's not there. Well, what is it? Give me your standards. What standards do I need to meet so that your reason for refusal of quality is met? What would you say, based on your interactions with brewers, I mean, New Glarus being the, the best example of one that takes it seriously and knows how to properly measure Ballpark. I mean, how many breweries really are, are looking at this the right way versus just, I'll say, trusting that where they're getting their hops, that what they're getting is, is probably fine? One percent. Wow. Because their opinion, most brewers, and certainly the smaller scale brewers, so the non-Nuglarises, everybody, you know, less than several, you know, 100,000 barrels are lucky to get what they get at least that was the the environment that they were coming out of from the from the market perspective 
But I think, too, that these brewers maybe don't know the questions to ask or know what they like. They know that they get hops from Steiner or from Haas, and that's where they get their hops because hops are an ingredient. And, hey, do they smell great? Yeah, but are they getting the right utilization out of them? Is the pellet density correct? Because pellet density changes by variety, and a lot of people don't know that. So you have to change how you're pelletizing based on the varieties in order to keep your pellet density uh, uniform across varieties. So how how much time, how much bandwidth do brewers have to really dig into that? Uh, I would say on a small scale, when they don't have quality assurance labs and they don't have uh, that kind of resources that, that, that the regional breweries have, they have no time for that. They have no capacity for that. And they have to trust that when they're going to get their hops, that it's going to meet their need because they're pelletized. And I just don't see it. I don't see it happening. And that whole aspect of measuring and understanding density and understanding what you're getting out of those hops. Uh, I, I was reading something recently. I don't know if you've seen anything about uh, cryo hops. Yep. So my understanding here is that this is a more a more concentrated version and as a result i imagine that's that will change if things do head in that direction that's going to change how you use them in formulation and what you're looking for from a quality perspective and a and a density perspective yeah cryo hops are interesting uh it's a really really good way to make use of really bad looking hops it's i don't want to get into it here but that's a that's a different operation and extraction and process and there are aroma concerns because of how it's done. And and I don't think it's going to replace dry hopping. It's not going to do that. Just like people said, well, hop extract is going to replace, you know, the use of hops in, in you know, pellets and whatnot in beer. And it's just not true. Because to be able to say that we can make an extract that contains everything that, that the natural hop flower has in it and have not and we haven't changed any of its character through the act of extraction is just ludicrous. I can't, it just boggles me. I'm yes. James is speechless because that just tells me that people that make those statements really don't understand the complexity of this flower and, and the aroma content that it's, or the aroma that, that it has and how easy and delicate it is and how easy it is to negatively impact it by how it's handled. It gets back to understanding the entire process. And this is, this is a, a new technology coming out of the growing industry, which to your point, they haven't quite figured out how it really impacts the brewing side of things. All they know is they're able to, to create a more concentrated version of their product. Well, that has to be good, right? There's, there's not a lot of thought going into the other, you know, their end user there, it seems. I would say for brewers, getting back to the what they can do to understand quality is they've been present. They're going to be most likely first presented material by a grower. In many cases it's in a tap room or God forbid at a, at a beer festival somewhere. But let's just say, you know, growers listen to our, you know, how to sell the brewers podcast and set up an appointment and they bring them these sample. The next thing, if, if all those samples meet the brewer's quality parameters, I would say the next thing a savvy brewer would do is say, okay, well, this looks very, very promising. I want to come see your place. That's going to tell the brewer much, much more about, you know, did this, did this person selling me these hops cherry pick 
the best of the best to show me and try and pull one over on me because it happens. I've seen it tons of times. Are they are they really who they say they are? Is this their farm? Well, no, it's not mine. I'm helping sell from somebody else. So brewers are, are used to the con game too. So I would say brewers, go check it out. Have to go. If you have any other, yeah, have to go look at it. Go look at it. Yeah, certainly you're going to be so. getting a curated sample there without question. Uh, and, and if and yep. as a as the grower on the other side of that, of course you're going to bring the best of the best. That's that's only natural. But be prepared to back that up. And God forbid you show up with someone else's hops. I mean that's that's up there with borrowing a urine sample in order to get through a uh, a drug test. That's uh, don't don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. So, and I think, you know, when the the brewer comes to visit for the grower, just be honest. I mean, yeah, you're going to sweep up a little bit and make sure all the pigeons are out of the barn. But, you know, be honest. This is who we are. This is, this is what we do, and this is what I'm capable of. If you're embarrassed or don't want to have a brewer come by, what's that say about your operation? What, what is it? What are you hiding? What is it that you don't want people to see? Aren't you proud of what you're doing? If you're not proud, you need to ask some really hard questions as to why. Yeah. And it's okay if, you know, if things go wrong to some degree. Um, it's one thing if, to your point, you're not proud of it and there are things that are, are flat out across the board not working. But if you bring a, grower out, a, a brewer out there and it's, hey, you know, my Cascade and my Chinook are great. I had some problems with CTZ. There is nothing that... I've found that people respect more than, than honesty. And I, I don't recall us, I'm sure this has happened in our history with, with hops. I know it's happened with plants where we've said, hey, Mr. Customer, we know we committed these to you. A disease came through or a, you know, we had a, a, a timing problem and we are not comfortable selling these to you. We've got these others and they're fine, but I wouldn't put these in your hands. It's a scary thing to do because it's natural to assume, and some brewers will say, well, look, if you can't control that aspect of your operation, how am I supposed to trust the rest of it? But the really the better ones will be impressed with the honesty. They will understand that shit happens, and they'll be willing to work with you because they know you're not willing to put crap into their hands. It's, that, that honesty and that transparency is so important. It, it has saved me so many times. It has saved relationships when I was up front with folks, even, and I shouldn't say save them, uh, it really set the tone for a, for a better relationship. Uh, I remember this uh, one time when Dan Carey came out to the farm and he was, well, what do you got, James? And so I showed him some stuff. And so what other varieties do you have? And I said, well, I've got some Brewer's Gold, and I, but I'm not showing those to you. He said, well, I want to see him. I said, yeah, I know you do, but I'm not showing them to you <laughs> because I, I know his reputation. And he's extremely technical and pulls no punches. But he just kept goading me, goading me. He's like, I want to see him. I want to see him. I said, fine. I told you so. So I get him all the samples and he looked at him. He's like, yep, you're right. <laughs> and so then that was the first time. And then every season after that, he'd say, well, you know, how are the whatever's looking? How are the, the, the saws looking? I'm like, well, I've got some from this field that look great, but, but you know, that's only about 10%, this other 90%. Uh, I'm not happy with, and he'd leave it go at that. He'd say, fine, okay, because I knew that they wouldn't pass his aroma quality, his sniffer, for what he was looking for, for saws, because I knew what beers they were going into. Now, for somebody else, they'd have been just fine, 
but I know what he was looking for, and I wasn't going to waste his time. And you also knew that he he respected the position of, let me show you what's good, some of it's not, but that's just the way the ball bounces, that's Mother Nature, and he he he's savvy enough in the industry to understand that that's what happens, and he trusts you to yeah, partition exactly. that from the good stuff. I mean, he's been doing it for, you know, 30 plus years and he's a, he's a pioneer in the craft brewing industry. So yeah, he gets it, but I have on, so let's, let's look on the other side of that where we've got brewers that are just opening and let's say they have no industry experience. They, they were really, really good home brewers and they've scraped up money and they're going to open a, a, a brewery tap room. Right. And how I present to them is different than how I would present to new Glarus because I want to build the same sort of long-term relationship with them. And I want to have them see me as a resource for them. But what is, what is important to them in my, in their visit to me, that's going to add value from a quality perspective. That's, that's sort of, I don't, I can't tell you. I don't know. I, I would think depending just, on the brewer, in some cases, you're the teacher there. And even though you're also trying yeah. to be the salesman, you're saying, look, here, here, these are looking the way they should. If you smell that, you smell the piney notes, et cetera, et cetera. And oh, by the way, so here's some stuff I wouldn't dare sell you. And here's why. And if anyone else tries to sell you something that looks or smells like this, now you know you know, you can't you, can't you tell based on X, Y, and Z? So you you become the teacher and the trusted expert, where they wouldn't dare well, go anywhere else. I think that's fine for grower who's got a decade under their belt. But what if you're a new grower, and this is like your third year? I, you know, I just I'm trying to to remember back to being in that position, saying, okay, now we finally got enough hops, and we. We happen to hit the timing, right? So here we go. This is what I've got, and I'm proud of it, or I'm I'm not. And you just sort of the brewer comes out. What's the what's the dialogue? What's the what's the narrative that you want to talk about? And I I think for for me it was understanding the brewer and why are they coming out here? Do they want to come out just to learn who we are and take a look at the place? Well, okay, that's great. So I'm going to make sure I've weeded extra hard and <laughs> the grass is mowed and, and uh, all the bush light cans are in the recycling mm-hmm. bin. But the... Dan's got pants on. You know, Dan, Dan's wearing his pants. Dan Detmer's not Dan Oh, Kerry. yes, yes, yes. Dan Carey. Dan Carey always wears pants, to my knowledge. Yep. Uh, to my knowledge. It's not that I have any insider information. So is that the title of this podcast? Dan Carey always wears pants. Uh-uh. I should ask him. I had another idea for the title that we'll we'll get to as we wrap up. (laughs) Okay. So I think that, uh, that we've, you've got to understand why the brewer's coming out there to begin with. And the brewer, I think needs to be upfront with the grower about why they're coming. If they're saying, you know what? I've never even had your hops yet, but I would just, I heard you're in the neighborhood and I want to bring my brew staff out for a, for a day out of the brewery to say, thanks. That's great. It's an opportunity to build a, a, a relationship that doesn't come along very often. So they're not really there on a, on a field trip for quality homework. But let's say they are. Let's say they're coming out and they say, well, we want to see how you harvest. Be yourself. Don't try and be somebody you're not. And if you're using some sort of rattle trap uh, mangler harvester that you built, don't be ashamed of it. 
right? You can't be the giant downhauer manufacturing hop harvester guy out west. That's just not who you are. So be who you are and own it and be honest. And brewers will be much more willing to trust you when it comes time to talk tough about the quality of your hops. Very true. Very true. It's You start making excuses and having to start remembering what those excuses were and you're you're not creating a good business relationship. You're not creating something sustainable. There we go. People have wasted another perfectly good hour or so. Listen to us yammer on. Good stuff. Good stuff. It's always interesting to, I think, understand what both sides look for. And, you know, we didn't talk too much about consumers right now, but you're trusting as a consumer that these two groups are putting their best foot's best foots best feet forward from each direction to bring you quality product you don't want you don't want bad stuff going into your beer you don't want the brewer to be willing to take on bad stuff and and try and mask it somehow or or, or even worse not mask it at all um so so i'm going to say that what i think the title of this episode should be i loved the idea that when you know when to harvest when your hops are just dying just a little bit on the inside. Because I feel like dying there's a, a, a life statement the in there somewhere, and I'm just not sure how to grab hold of it. I don't know. I, I'm kind of liking Dan Carey always, Dan Carey wears, always pants. wears pants. But, <laughs> but I'll, I'll ask him first. Yes, yes. I would get permission before we, we throw that out there. That could, that could start a whole nice. series of things that he may not be in favor of. Yep, exactly. Well, thanks for listening once again, everyone, and we will talk to you again soon.